Everybody wins. What is that? Oh, dear. Let me go on a rant about everybody wins today. And that's what we're teaching our kids. <laughs> Actually, maybe everybody does win because we're in the food frenzy looking at the stories of Jesus over meals from Luke's gospel. And we started with Zacchaeus. Well, he was a winner in life. He had lots of money, but he was a big loser because everyone hated him and he was lost and he knew it. We looked at the sinful woman. Well, she was a loser. She was full of shame. She was an outcast. She was the bottom of society. But Jesus said, no, no, no. Come to me and you're a winner. Enjoy a meal with me, even though it shocked everybody else. And then we get to the Last Supper and Jesus says, I am... This, this bread is my body, which is given for all of you disciples. You're all included in this new relationship with God through my blood, through my death for you. In fact, every time in Luke's gospel, when he, there are a lot of meals and there's lots of stories about meals in Luke's gospel. Every time it's the poor, it's the needy, it's the outcast, it's the sinner that's welcomed into the feast to belong and be part of the winners. In one sense, when we look at Jesus in Luke, everyone is a winner. They belong. We're going to look very, very brief. We're looking at Luke's gospel and the very last story of a meal in the gospel of Luke. Actually, it's more of a walk than it is a meal, but it finishes with a meal. And in fact, it's a walk with two losers. They're clearly losers. Luke chapter 24, 13. Now, that same day, two of them, these are two of the followers of Jesus, this is after Jesus' death, were going to a village called Emmaus. It was about 11 kilometres from Jerusalem. So a decent walk, but manageable. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. They'd followed this guy, Jesus. They believed he was the Messiah, God's anointed king, the Lord. The son of God, the son of man, the winner. And they'd watched him do so many incredible things. This guy's a winner. Yes, people resist him, but he's a winner. They'd heard him teach about the victory of the kingdom. They were on a winning thing. But then he was arrested and beaten and crucified. And, and what's happened to the body? What's going on? As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. This is weird, but they were kept from recognizing him. Two guys walking with this other guy, it's Jesus. But somehow they were kept from recognizing who this person was, which is weird, hey? And they're walking along. How are they feeling? Are they winners or losers with this new companion? He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? And they're walking along and they stop when they're asked this. And their faces are downcast. Are these guys winning or losing? What have you been talking about? One of them named Cleopas asked him, are you the only one? Are you the only one 
visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days. Where have you been, sir? There's been big news, and we're on the wrong side of the big news. It's a little bit like an election. You know, you have your party faithful. They've been Liberal Party or Labor Party members, perhaps like the last election. Expected win. How do you feel the next morning? We're gutted. We're on the losing side. What things he asked about Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. Don't you know about this? He was a prophet. He was powerful in word and deed before God and all people. He was a winner. He was going to win. And the chief priests and our rulers, they handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him, which is the most shameful loss, the most shameful death. But we, you wonder why we stopped when you asked us? We had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel, who was going to save us from the Romans, who was going to make peace. And what is more, it's now three days since all this took place. Don't you know anything? The one thing that's good about losing, it's hard to lose, but when you lose, you can at least move on. Right? We've got to readjust our life. Maybe change our policies. But these guys can't move on because they've heard these reports, and it's all kind of weird. In addition... Some of our women amazed us. You just hear the confusion. They went to the tomb early this morning, but they didn't find his body. They came and they told us that they'd seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And some of our companions went to the tomb and they found it just as the women had said, but they didn't see Jesus. And we're walking to the village of Emmaus and it's confusing. We have no resolution. There's this sense of hope. We don't understand. We have grief and confusion. He said to them, How foolish you are and how slow to believe all the prophets have spoken. Jesus is saying, This shouldn't surprise you. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, going back to the Old Testament writings, the scriptures of their day, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. He's talking about the promised Messiah of Israel, that he had to suffer and then enter his glory. Now, this is a big thing to say to these men because they're convinced Jesus was the Messiah. They were thoroughly convinced that he was the promised one. And now this man they're walking with says, actually the Messiah had to suffer before entering his glory, even to die. And remember, they probably remembered Jesus talking about his death that would come in Jerusalem. And they probably remembered perhaps even the Last Supper when Jesus broke the bread and said, this is my body, not the Passover lamb. This is my body given for you. This is my blood of the new covenant. The Messiah had to suffer and die. 
And look, we've now seen it explained in the Old Testament scriptures. So I can imagine in their, in their spirit, there's a bit of hope. Maybe there's hope. Maybe we'll not lose. And, then, and they're thinking and they're thinking and they're thinking and they're imagining and they're listening and they're hoping and there's hope and there's hope, but there's no resolution because what does it all mean? In one sense, all this man's done is stir up the waters of confusion even more. Now, we haven't had a meal yet, have we? But they come to the end of their walk. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he was going further. But they urged him strongly, Now stay with us, for it's nearly evening and the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. Now, if you're going to stay, particularly in that culture, you're going to eat. And so they do. While he was at the table with them, he took bread and gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Sound familiar? Then their eyes were open, and they recognized Jesus. And he disappeared from their sight. It's a bit like the Last Supper, but this time the revelation, the recognition, Jesus is alive. Jesus has been teaching us from the scriptures. That veil, of, that veil of unrecognition is removed. And they see him for who he is and he goes in his new resurrection body from their sight. They ask to each other, weren't our hearts burning within us when he talked with us on the road and he opened the scriptures? Didn't we know something was happening and that there was hope? So they got up. And they returned at once to Jerusalem and they found the 11 disciples and those with them assembled together and saying, it's true. It's true. The Lord has risen. He's appeared to Simon, to Peter. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus had recognized them when he broke, how they, Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. Can you see that the resurrection of Jesus changes everything? For everyone. And it's not that we all win, but Jesus wins. Jesus conquers death. He conquers the grave. Jesus conquers Satan, the enemy of God. Jesus conquers sin as he pays for our prize and comes to new life. So that the consequence of sin is defeated. Jesus overcomes the darkness of death. On that Friday when Jesus hung on the cross, the sky went black. Jesus cried out, it is finished. I've paid the prices. The righteous son of God, the pure son of God, dies for the sin of the world. Of your sin and my sin, of our rejection of God. He takes the penalty. And through his death, he offers forgiveness for those who will trust him. And put their faith in him. He offers cleansing. He offers the cleansing and fresh start. He offered the sinful woman that he offered Zacchaeus. He offers it to us. But what if he stayed in the grave? What power in this death? The Apostle Paul, some 30 years later, wrote this to a church in Greece, in Corinth. If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. 
And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. And so I can stand here today and say, if Jesus Christ is not risen from the dead, everything I'm saying is a complete and utter vanity and you're wasting your time being here today. If Christ is not risen from the dead, and if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, frankly, you're still in your sins, you're still under judgment, you're still bearing the consequences of your rejection of God and your wickedness and the horrible things you do to other people, then those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost when you die. There's no resurrection if Christ has not been raised. The grave wins. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be people of all people most to be pitied. If Christ has not been raised from the dead, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, says Paul to the Corinthian church. He has indeed been raised from the dead. He is the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep, those who have died in him. He is risen, and those who trust him in as Lord for forgiveness, enjoy new life in his resurrection. And it is for everybody. It doesn't matter if you're lost. It doesn't matter if you're squandering your life. It doesn't matter if your life is filled with shame and you're rejected and you never feel like you don't ever belong. It doesn't matter. In fact, Jesus died and rose just for people like that. And you know where the Bible story ends? The Bible, our story ends, well, you can say, let's say heaven. Heaven, eternal life. Do you know what eternal life is like in the Bible? It is not floating on clouds of some disembodied spirit. Eternal life in the Bible is bodily, like Jesus rose. Different nature, that he could disappear from those people in Emmaus in a moment. Different nature for sure, but Jesus is his body. Our eternal life is will be bodily and real. And you know what it'll include? You know what the, the, perhaps the biggest picture of heaven is in, is in the Bible? It's a feast. It's a victory feast. It's a wedding banquet. It's food. It's a food, or well, food frenzy. But it's a victory feast with victory songs of people who have trusted in Jesus and been given new life in him. Resurrection, eternal life in a new heavens and a new earth, the Bible says, the home of righteousness. Real people, real bodies, real me, real you, real people who have trusted in Jesus as their Lord. That is where the Bible ends. A celebration. And Peno Life, it's all about telling people about that food frenzy that Jesus has won through his death and resurrection so that we might share in life eternal. Thanks for coming to Panel Life. Thanks, kids, for being so patient in my talk. You've been absolutely fantastic. Thank you so much. And our great hope is people would put their faith in Jesus and know that life eternal. Amen.